Welcome to Biomechanics on Our Minds. My name is Melissa Boswell. And I'm Hannah O'Day, and we're PhD students at Stanford University. This podcast is brought to you by the International Society of Biomechanics. It's, it's time, time for Boom. Welcome to Boom. We have Biomechanics on Our Minds. Boom. 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 Welcome, everyone. We are so happy to have India Irvin Choi on the podcast today. India is a PhD candidate at the University of Delaware, and she has an amazing blog on how to be a queen and earn a PhD, where she uh, just gives really amazing advice for navigating graduate school and other challenging topics, particularly to support other Black and first-generation women in science. Um, and so thank you so much for being with us, India. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. And to start, we'd really love to hear more about what first got you interested in science and being a biomedical engineer in particular. Yeah, so I actually wasn't interested in science until <laughs> the end of high school, which is like super late, at least compared to what I've heard other people say. Yeah. Um, so I actually always wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to have summer vacation for the rest of my life, which is still it a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that, I can do that. That's okay with me. Um, but uh, after a while, I realized that I actually just didn't like being in a classroom that I wanted to do something different. Um, and at the time when I was in high school, um, I watched a lot of reality TV. Like that was like the big thing. And <laughs> I saw a ton of black women that were starting their own businesses on like basketball wives. And um, there was like love and hip hop and like all these shows that came out and everyone had their own business. And I was like, that is perfect. I want to have my own makeup brand. Like that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I was always good at, at math and science, but I never even considered a career in science um, up until I think it was probably my junior or at the beginning of my senior year. And I was talking to my dad and I was like, yeah, I'm going to start my own business. Like that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and he was like, well, he knew that I was good at science too. And he was like, well, you know, chemical engineers are people who actually formulate makeup. And I was like, no, no way. Like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm going to do it. Um, so, I mean, I like chemistry a lot. Um, and I had actually a black woman um, AP chemistry teacher and she like really pushed me into um, just investigating like chemical engineering. And mm -hmm. again, for a while I wasn't sold on it, but when I heard that they made makeup, I was like, oh, okay, this is the job for <laughs> That's me. That's for I'm me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Might not um, get the summers off, but I get to play in makeup. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good balance. Like I like that. Um, so I had applied for chemical engineering programs when I was in high school. And I think um, what was really difficult for my like application phase was I was looking for schools that would allow me to play both field hockey and do engineering and a lot wow. of schools that allowed me to do both. Um, so I really wanted to go to my undergrad, which was Brown University. Um, and it, they were only a school that would allow me to do both field hockey and engineering, um, except I didn't get into the wow. chemical engineering program. So um, I ended up going in as a um, exploratory studies, which is fancy for undecided. <laughs> and um, I transferred into biomedical engineering my second year. So when I was a sophomore. I love that you knew that you wanted both of those things and that you were able to like find a, a way to fit both of those in. Um, 
yeah, like both of those passions. Yeah, a lot of people actually told me that it was impossible, that I wouldn't be able to do it. And um, I was either being recruited by like pretty top schools um, or I was being um, given applications for engineering programs. So a lot of people wanted me to choose just one. Um, and I was like, nope, I'm gonna do both. <laughs> I'm gonna find a place that's gonna accept both and that's what I'm gonna do. Um, so, I mean, it was difficult. They weren't lying. It was actually difficult yeah. to do both, um, but, but I made it. So yeah, it, it turned out well. Yeah, I love that. I feel like a lot of times too with, I guess sports and engineering are probably good examples where you think of like athletes as like, I don't know, that is that is their thing. That, and then with engineers, I feel like there is a very stereotypical <laughs> view of what an engineer is. And a lot of times it's not like a super athlete. Um, so it's cool to see you pursuing both of those and making that like a priority to be able to do both of them. Um, so you transferred into biomedical engineering and now you are in our PhD candidate in biomedical engineering. Um, and we're curious what, um, if you could tell us a little bit more about your research, it sounds super interesting. Um, we saw on your uh, blog that you describe it as designing nanoparticles to protect expectant mothers and their babies. Um, could you share a little bit more about what that entails? Yeah, so um, since I wrote that article, my research has kind of changed a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. We're now focusing on treating bacterial vaginosis. Um, so that's a common mm -hmm. bacterial infection in the vagina. Um, it happens in both non-pregnant and pregnant women. But um, it's especially dangerous for pregnant women because it can lead to other um, pregnancy complications. So mm -hmm. those being either preterm birth or um, premature rupture of membranes, which is premature rupture of the amniotic sac. Um, it could yeah. also lead to miscarriage or um, mm -hmm. postpartum endometriosis. Um, that's also pretty dangerous where your uterine tissue grows outside of the uterus. Um, so it, there's a lot of different, yeah, yeah, all of it, pretty <laughs> painful. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so it's a, it, there's a lot of uh, complications that come along with having that condition. Mm -hmm. Um, the, but the tricky part about treating it is that, um, so normally they use like a cream or some type of drug and administer to um, the woman, but when you're pregnant, um, you're not allowed to like be on any uh, medications or taking any kind of um, drugs or anything. So um, it's really difficult to treat with the presence of a fetus. So what my research is focusing on is using um, our specific type of nanoparticles and loading drug inside them so that when we deliver them, um, they'll release the drug, but only to specific locations, which is where the bacteria is located. Wow, that is so impactful. I feel like that will have such an amazing direct impact. Was that a motivating factor to like be trans, like to have your work be translational when you were kind of thinking about what projects you want to work on? My original um, research, I guess, goals or projects that I wanted to work on were actually revolved around breast cancer. Um, because it runs in my family. So I wanted to mm. study breast cancer mm. in graduate school. Um, but when I started as a first year, um, my advisors, I'm co-advised, so I have two advisors, but they were starting a collaboration um, in maternal fetal health. So they were like, just kind of getting into it. Mm. And when I started reading about it, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, I want to do this. I don't want to do breast cancer stuff anymore. Like, <laughs> I want to work on this. Um, so since then, um, we've been working on it and trying to 
just um, make our names known in the field. So um, we're all pretty new to it, me especially, right? I'm new to grad school, new to academia, new to science, basically. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I didn't have any intentions of working on maternal fetal health before mm -hmm. coming to graduate school, which is kind of a recurring theme in my career that I didn't have any intention to do with that. That's <laughs> what ended up happening. Um, but I really do like my research. Um, it definitely is impactful, um, especially now like with COVID and like pregnant women. And I mean, there's yeah. so many things that I want to read all the time. And I'm like, I, I have to get in the lab though. So, um, <laughs> but it, it is great. I do love the translational aspects as well too. Um, hopefully I'll be able to see it actually be translated in the future. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I also like the idea of making drugs more specific to the delivery location that you want to, because that's also a big concern, I think. In articles I've been reading recently about the risks of taking too many antibiotics and like having those go through your body and, you know, the, just the long-term effects of those. So um, yeah, so it seems really important, um, especially like I could imagine if I was pregnant, that would also be something that I'd really want to... Um, yeah, prioritize too. So yeah. Um, so we love that your blog is called uh, BME Queen. And we're wondering what it means to you to be a queen, uh, either general or a BME queen specifically. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll start with the name BME Queen came from one biomedical engineering, um, but also queen because I'm a huge Beyonce fan. I'm like Beyonce. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when I was coming up with the name, I was like, well, it has to somehow like incorporate Beyonce in there. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. BAM actually stands for Beyonce on our minds, but we like to pretend <laughs> like it's for biomechanics. <laughs> I love this podcast even more now. Thank you. <laughs> um, um, but when I think about being a queen, right, like Beyonce is like, she shows up at her as herself like everywhere that she goes, like is who she wants to be, like keeps part of her life private. We don't really know about, but when she does show up, she shows up, right? So um, I think a queen is about being your authentic self in all forms, you know, not hiding one part of yourself when you're in, you know, in the lab or with your family or, you know, I don't know, at the grocery store, like just being who you are and, and being unapologetic about it. Um, because I think, a lot of what I've experienced thus far, or at least recently has been me getting back in touch with the things that I liked, but I thought I shouldn't like them or I was ashamed that I liked them or, you know, like didn't really feel comfortable because it wasn't like popular or um, it wasn't like mainstream. Um, so now I'm just like, I'm going to be me and oh, well, y'all can leave <laughs> it or you can leave it. That's it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what the que queen means. I think a lot of people think it has to do with, um, I don't know, looking a certain way or like having like the clothes to go with it or whatever. And like, no, it's just being you, whoever that is and, yeah. and being you wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And when you say, uh, that now you are more, um, I guess going back to the things that like make you, you and like, maybe, you know, liking things that aren't mainstream or popular, but now kind of owning it. Can you give like an example of, or two of like what, maybe one of those things are to you? Yeah. Um, so recently I've gotten back into yoga. Um, I yes. tried doing yoga when I was actually um, 
at the start of college. And since I was an athlete, it was like, oh, athletes don't do yoga. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I love it. Sweating. I mean, don't get me wrong. I will sweat when oh, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. For you get sure. certain, you know, instructors, and it it's it's hard. It's but hard. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, at a time I was like, oh well, you know, I'm an athlete, so I should do this. Or um, when I was in college, and you know, like in the engineering building, it was like, you know. You don't wear your athletic clothes because people are going to think of you a certain way or, you know, people don't. Wow. Um, yeah. Right. So it was like I kind of withheld myself um, depending on where I was. And it wasn't until I got to grad school. I was like, no one actually cares about <laughs> Like, why did I think that for so long? Like, no one really cares because they're all worried about themselves. So <laughs> being bothered by this, right? So, <laughs> but to confirm, um, you don't feel like that's just a grad school thing. You think it probably started earlier because sometimes oh, I feel like in grad school, like definitely no one cares. <laughs> oh no. Everyone's just like trying to remember to eat every day. And, yeah. Like, yeah. At, you know, appropriate hours. Like no one actually cares in grad school. Um, but I think definitely before, and it probably started in like, I don't know, middle school, right? Where everyone's like going through that weird puberty phase. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds about um, right. Yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't like get rid of that mindset until honestly, probably recently, where I was just like, oh, you know, I'm too tired to care anymore. No one else cares. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to, you know, be, be whoever I want to be and do whatever I want to do because it makes me happy. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny sometimes how it's more tiring to not do all of the things that make you you, right? <laughs> yes, it is quite exhausting to be someone else when really the only person I know how to be is myself, so. That's the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we love that. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, thank you for sharing, like, also your personal experiences with that and noting this sort of transition from, like, how you used to think and how, how you're thinking now. And you know, I've had moments of, of that clarity, like where I really feel like I'm being myself or moments where I feel like, oh, like this didn't feel right or there's some friction. Um, I'm wondering if you've had those moments and maybe if you have any tips for like how you kind of reset and come back to like reminding yourself how to be a queen or, um, you know, just just dealing with those challenges. Yeah, um, I think one of the things that I love to do is just be alone. And I think a lot of people are now getting a taste of that because of the pandemic and, you know, you have to be six feet away and, you know, social distance, all that stuff. Um, But my alone time is so special to me because I get to just explore like what is really going on with me. Right. And that can be, you know, through doing yoga or or reading a book and, you know, thinking like, how does what I'm reading actually affecting me or, you know, how how does that like change my mindset? Um, and sometimes it's just me sitting in a room with a lit candle with some sage and just like being. Um, I think a lot of times people think you have to be doing something all the time mm-hmm. or that you have to be like, you know, productive and like journaling and keeping track of everything and being organized. <laughs> most of the time I'm just sitting with my phone on do not disturb, you know, and that is the simplest way for me to kind of just like reset and, and ground myself to actually like feel what I'm feeling and then decide where I want to go from there. Um, but I think 
definitely do not disturb has been a lifesaver the last yeah. couple weeks or months actually <laughs> I like my, my parents will call me when I turn it off and they're like what are you doing and I'm like nothing literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nothing but I'm not talking to anyone <laughs> so, the TV's not on my phone is in the other room like I am just sitting with my glass of wine and being and that is all and they think yeah. I think sometimes they think I'm actually crazy but I'm like no, I this like alone time and I think it's kind of odd too because in graduate school like you're alone a lot but you're not really with yourself right like you know you may be in the Mm. lab like doing something by yourself but you're not really paying attention to yourself or like what you're feeling or what you're thinking or like how you fit into you know the space or the world or whatever yeah and Um, if you are that's almost against whatever you're probably trying to get done <laughs> exactly if you're doing it you're probably like ruining an instrument somewhere like, oh my gosh, I forgot I left this running like you know so, <laughs> so I, I try to do that more often of course not when I'm around equipment or in the lab at all but um just like being by myself like really helps yeah, I totally agree and, and really relate to that. And I also have been trying, I charge my phone outside of my uh, room and then like at night, uh, you know, an hour or two before I go to bed and the hour or two after I wake up are both like times before I go get my phone or I put it away. And I find like that just makes a huge difference. And then those are the times that I, you know, light a candle, do some reflecting in the morning, meditate or yoga or work out. And it's just like, it's kind of amazing. Like the second you get your phone, like how it's just, there's just so much happening with it. Like, it's kind of incredible. It's just this like small <laughs> little computer. And then the second I pick it up, it's like an explosion of notifications. <laughs> yes, yes. I have started to turn off my notifications at 10. And yeah. I just like, I mean, sometimes I'm actually asleep before 10. So like that's, like yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, when I'm not, I just turn them off and or my phone automatically shuts everything off. And I am just like alone and I love it. Like since I started doing that, I'm like, this is great. Why did they not have this feature before? (laughs) You recently were on the podcast uh, called Being Black with Camille Smith and you shared your experience on what it's like to be a black woman in engineering. Um, And I'd highly recommend listening to it. It was such a great episode. Um, And you're a huge advocate for first-generation students in STEM and I'm curious, what do you think uh, have been the biggest challenges for you um, as a first-generation Black woman in STEM? Yeah, um, oh, there's quite a few. But <laughs> I, think, um, I think the ones that come to mind first would probably be finding mentors um, and also just like overall representation, right? So we know that Black women make up, I think it's like less than 1% of you know engineers um, which is just really sad but I I think the reason why I didn't know I wanted to be a scientist until so late and I didn't know I wanted to go to graduate school until the last minute was because I didn't have representation right like I didn't see anyone that was a scientist I didn't see anyone Mm -hmm. that was an engineer Um, I saw you know entrepreneurs but I didn't see everyone else right so um Mm -hmm. I think if I were exposed to, you know, different mentors or just representation early on, science Mm -hmm. would have been in my mind that entire time. Like, oh, this is something I can do. This is, these are all the, you know, different career paths that come along with being a scientist and things like that. Um, But I think when I got to undergrad, 
uh, finding a mentor was really difficult for me because I think a lot of, of like my advisors or professors like didn't quite understand where I was coming from, that, you know, I was a first generation student. And I mean, I'm not asking for like a button that says that, right. But like, just to acknowledge like where students come from, um, would definitely be helpful because for a while I wasn't comfortable telling people that I was first generation. I mm -hmm. like hit it and I was like, uh, no, like I just like wouldn't talk when people talked about where their parents went to college or like I wouldn't engage in those conversations. Um, so when I finally did start to engage in those conversations, like, hey, I'm the first one doing it. Like, I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, that's when I started to find mentors that were willing to help me. Um, but still none of them were, you know, black women in STEM, you know, um, yeah. I had my team that was behind me. Um, I had my coaches that were so helpful. Um, I did have a couple, um, professors that were supportive, like throughout my field hockey journey and just like undergrad and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but it definitely would have been different. And I think it would have hit me differently if I had had like a black woman, engineer or scientist that yeah. you know could have guided me mm -hmm. to at least where I am now that would have been helpful um so I think it's hard I mean well it definitely is hard and I think other people are starting to now realize the different challenges that come along with being first generation and a black woman in this field mm. so how I'm wondering like you mentioned a lot of great support that you did have and I'm wondering how you dealt with like that sort of void, you know, that professionally, like you felt like you didn't necessarily have that representation. So um, yeah, just like, were there any strategies? Like, did you try to talk to those other people that you had support from about these things or, or just how did you combat those challenges? Um, I don't think I brought it up in terms of like, can you introduce me to a black woman that you may know or something, right? <laughs> like, now I would be like, hey, do you know somebody? I would either say that, back then I definitely didn't say anything, um, sure. but I did try to find mentors that like were either first generation or were from mm -hmm. like um, diverse like backgrounds or mm -hmm. even like lived near my hometown like just so they if they yeah. knew the name of my hometown then I was like okay so can you tell <laughs> me about you know so um that made, yeah I'm like oh I we, we understand yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so that like to have those connections was helpful mm -hmm. um, but I it, it's it would have been a little bit different if I if I did actually ask, right? Because I don't know if they do know Black women engineers or Black women scientists they could have put me in touch with. I I never asked. Um, so if you are listening, you should definitely ask because <laughs> you never know how <laughs> everyone else knows. And what I'm hearing from you is it's not as like uncomfortable to ask as you might imagine in your head. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think a, a lot of people probably like, you know, it may feel uncomfortable at first, but mm -hmm. if it's something that you need, I mean, you have to put your needs first, or at least I put mm -hmm. my needs first. That's what queens do. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. Queen tip. <laughs> yes. Let's circle back to that. <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, you have to put your needs first and understand one, what you need or, you know, what you want, what you value and then go from there, right? So if you are afraid to ask, then 
maybe try to find a connection that's, you know, not necessarily first or black women or first generation, but, you know, other connections that may lead to that down the line. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And speaking from where you are now, like you're sort of on the other side of that now, like you're, if someone came up and asked you, well, just, I mean, if someone came up and asked you about your experiences, like, would you be like, no, I don't want to tell you about that. Or like, right. Like, I feel like that's the, that's the fear that stops you from kind of like reaching out. So um, I'm interested yet yeah, to just kind of hear from the other side now, like, yeah, maybe it's I've, helpful. Now that I've been through undergrad at least, and mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm not halfway through graduate school. Let's speak that into existence. <laughs> <laughs> Let's it's happening. It's You're just, yeah. <laughs> Um, but now that I'm on the other side, I mean, one, I'm open to helping anyone who asks for help, right? I don't know if you want help unless you ask me. And there are people that will slide in my DMs and ask me, you know, what, do you, what were some things that you looked for when you were looking for graduate school? Or, you know, what were some of the programs or advisors? Or how did you find this? How did you find that? I'm so open to helping, helping people. Um, and I encourage other people to help them as well, because even if you don't think you're that far along, you're still further <laughs> along than someone that's, you know, younger than you or newer mm-hmm. um, in that case. Um, but I, I don't think it's weird to ask. I answer those DMs all the time and I'm probably like too wordy in them too. Like I'll send like paragraphs. <laughs> you're going to sit down for this answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, here's a voice recording. <laughs> because I don't want to write a book today but yeah I will do that a lot of times (laughs) yeah but I think um what's also interesting though that I honestly didn't expect is that people that I grew up with and you know know that I'm a scientist but don't exactly know what I do they'll still ask me like hey how do I like you know look for grad programs but not in science you know like in this other field and I'm like Mm. people ask me for advice what (laughs) advice that's actually not science oh my gosh like I don't even think I can give out science advice but like this thank you I'm honored they recognize the queen Sabbath yeah yeah that's amazing and you give such amazing tips on your Instagram um and you you also give tips kind of what we're talking about about being like the only um that's in quotes uh in your workplace and And you talk about one of your biggest tips is to find a community, which is really great advice. Um, And I think like a lot of other women in science and engineering, I've been in a situation where I was the only woman on a team and um, sometimes have this like underlying feeling of sort of being like the token woman, like, okay, she's on the team, like now we're diverse. Um, And I don't know if you ever had those feelings before, but I could imagine like as a black woman in engineering, um, you might, they might be amplified. And I guess I've been thinking like on the other hand, people are becoming more aware of the issues of underrepresentation of minorities in engineering. And there's been uh, more of a conscious effort to be more inclusive. And um, I think with that, there's like this risk of maybe singling people out when trying to do that. So I'm actually wondering from your perspective for people who are actively trying to be inclusive and perhaps reaching out and trying to support people who are part of a minority or students who are part of a minority, what is, what do you think is the best way to do that without making them feel tokenized or singled out? Yeah, that is a really good question. I wish more people asked that question. 
Um, so it took me a long think, time to figure out how to word it. I think that's why people don't ask it because no. it's such a challenging question to, to ask and not have it also yeah. not be singling someone out. <laughs> right, right. Um, so first, there definitely have been times even before, you know, like recently with like Black Lives Matter movement and everything happening. Mm -hmm. um, there have been times where I felt like the token either woman or black person or black woman, you know, the combination, mm. we're all free. Um, and for anyone that is feeling that, um, you really just have to validate yourself in those situations that tell yourself that you deserve to be there because you actually do, that you mm -hmm. weren't just given the opportunity, you earned that opportunity and mm. you deserve to be there. Um, so that's number one. But I think for allies- Love that. Um, <laughs> Queen tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. This, this whole podcast is going to be about being a queen. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, but I think for allies, um, I think it, it's different, right? So everyone is different. Everyone feels included in a different way, just like everyone has their own like combination of love languages and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I think if more people start to think about it that way, then they'll stop looking for one specific answer, right? So with love languages, you know, you either like gifts or you don't, or, you know, sometimes you like it, but not really, or like, maybe you like words of affirmation, or maybe you don't. Um, I think it's different for everyone. Um, but I will speak about myself. So um, for me to be included is literally just to ask me if I want to attend the meeting, right? Or if, you know, I think, like, if we're working on a project together, and, you know, um, Melissa, both you and Hannah come up with an idea, right? Instead of you just like automatically writing it down, just ask me, hey, do you agree with this or no? Or mm -hmm. like, do you think we should do something else or not? Right, it's that simple as just checking with everyone and make sure they're on the same page that it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be, you know, a grand, like, um, I guess it doesn't have to be anything too big, right? Like you don't have to be like, oh, tell me about your family. Like you really don't have to <laughs> <laughs> because some people will will ask me that and I'm like uh, you didn't care about my family two weeks ago like, <laughs> like that's just weird um, so you know inclusive doesn't have to be like making a grand gesture it can be something as simple as do you want to go get lunch next week yeah mm -hmm. or, you know I like this restaurant but like you know what kind of like what restaurant do you want to go to right like I appreciate something as simple as that um and then when it comes to like research right now everyone is hopefully more aware of like talking over other people or um interrupting that really annoys me i hate mm. being interrupted. Mm -hmm. um, but also i think one of the common things though amongst i think allies and minorities or underrepresented um groups is that a lot of times allies don't speak up for minorities when they know that something is happening, right? So like, if you know someone is being talked over, interrupt the person that's talking over them and say, she wasn't fin finished speaking. You know, okay, can we have her, you know, say what she wanted to say or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and again, that's not a grand gesture. It's just speaking up for someone and acknowledging that, you know, they were talking. Um, I think, a. a allyship is is complicated but it's not that hard <laughs> like yeah. so it can it can get tricky but it's not it doesn't require like so much more extra effort that I think people think they have to do 
right? People think that you have to like mm-hmm. be like full force hundred percent of the time, you know, an ally and no, no, don't do that to other people. You know, like it's, it's not <laughs> like that. It's just, you know, just speak up and say it, you know, like, oh, India was talking about this. Like, can you let her finish her thought? Or, mm-hmm. hey, we know, uh, we should go out to lunch with India or, you know, let's ask her before we leave or like, you know, little stuff like yeah. that. Or, I don't know, even when people set up equipment for me, like if they're using it before me and they're like, hey, I'm gonna use it or you're gonna use it after me. Like, can I just leave it up? I'm like, oh yes, thank you. (laughs) You know, like little things like that can make someone feel included one, but also just make their lives easier, right? Like that's really what we're asking for, just for you to acknowledge that, you know, our journey is different and probably more difficult but just do something, a little thing that can make it easier in, in that person's, you know, quote unquote, love language, right? I love how simply and eloquently <laughs> you're putting that. I think that's going to be extremely helpful for people um, who may be, you know, overthinking it or feeling like they need to do some mm-hmm. huge uh, thing. Um, I think you're right in just being aware and being inclusive and speaking up when needed are all really um, great ways that are definitely doable. Um, so we really appreciate you sharing those with us. I want to add to that, you know, my uh, marginalized groups or, you know, people like in minorities, like we know whether or not you're doing the work just in talking to you, right? Mm. So you don't have to prove it. Just be yeah. who you are, you know, take in the information that you learn and, and try to apply it just in simple ways of everyday life. Um, but like, you don't have to prove your allyship uh, just just act yeah it's so like as you're talking I feel like it's these are all things that like my cousin who's in kindergarten like see it comes so natural to her it's like <laughs> we didn't have to share anything <laughs> yeah. yes. like you just share and like you ask exactly. yeah. oh hi how are you like that's like it is kind of like kindergarten knowledge <laughs> <laughs> Like we are trying to go back. Yeah. Yeah. People are trying to make it into like a dissertation where it's like, no, no, no. It's like very simple. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that question though. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. Well, thank you for the great answer. answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we have just like so enjoyed um, talking to you and we've loved following you and we're um, would like to share where other people can follow you. We've mentioned your Instagram. You, you have the blogs. Are there any places that people can follow what you're doing in your work? Yeah, um, I am BME Queen on Instagram. Um, that's my website. And also on Twitter, where sometimes I'll tweet about, I don't know, actual research stuff. Um, but I've recently started digging into TikTok, which I think is so Ooh. fun. Like, okay, TikTok <laughs> is for Gen Z, but it can be for millennials if you make it. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to have to watch yours and learn because yeah. I feel way too intimidated to put out any TikTok content. Yeah. I mean, okay, I'll be honest. I do feel old sometimes, but <laughs> um sometimes Gen Z really does make fun of millennials and I mean rightfully so like we definitely deserve it (laughs) but um, I have been doing a series on TikTok of black scientists and researchers that you should know Um, and that's been really enjoyable for me in many ways Um, one because I get to talk about science um, but also because I'm talking to people who don't really know about science and just like you know come across it on their TikTok feed Mm -hmm. Um, But also I'm learning a lot of stuff that I never learned in school. Like, 
it's huh. so enjoyable for me. Like I really like it. So um, if you want to follow the like series, I'm BME Queen on TikTok as well. And I think they're fun. So hopefully you <laughs> And you might have convinced me to download it. We'll see. Oh, oh, <laughs> because I, that okay. sounds exciting. <laughs> Here's your warning. You will download it and you will spend all of your time. But you should be doing research and yeah, lab. I'm going to need so. to take the next week off so I can acclimate myself to TikTok. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like it. Um, but sometimes I do get down the, the scrolling the rabbit hole with TikTok. Hole. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's just research, right? You're doing research for yes. how to do your TikTok. Better. It's funny, though, because my undergrads make fun of me, like, actively every day. They're like, what are you doing? Are you on TikTok again? And I'm like... Oh. Are you doing your sales? Are you passing your sales or not? Are you minding your own business? <laughs> I'm just being a queen over here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. I like it. I think it's a fun time. That's awesome. Well, we're super excited to follow you in all those spaces. And Wilson and I will certainly learn a lot. Um, we just like made a foray into Instagram. So we'll have okay. to <laughs> take our okay. little steps over to TikTok too. And so, so our, our last question is um, one of our favorites, and that's what are you most excited about for the future of biomedical engineering and just being a queen and what that looks like in the world? Um, it's just really light. Wow. Yeah, you know, just super <laughs> short, one word answer. <laughs> um, I, so I guess what I like the most about biomedical engineering and what I'm really excited for um, would be that it's such a, it's a field that is translatable, um, but also makes things easier for other scientists, right? So, mm -hmm. like, it can be used in people and, and, you know, everyday people, but sometimes the things that we work on just makes it easier for other scientists, which, like, you know, can lead to further innovation. So, I just always get excited reading um, the, the BMES, like, magazine, like, newsletters and stuff. Um, yeah. because it's such a widespread field, but also like it can do like anything. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good answer or not. <laughs> that's a wonderful answer. Yeah. Oh, but I think in terms of being me queen, um, I'm excited to see, I always talk about being me queen if she's not me. Um, I'm excited <laughs> to see her. <laughs> She's your Sasha Fierce. <laughs> she is. She's my Sasha Fierce. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to see where BME goes, a BME queen goes. Um, I definitely didn't expect this when I created her profile the first day, you know, back in May. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm excited to see the, the connections that she makes with other organizations, both you guys, mm -hmm. um, podcasts, you know, other black scientists. Um, I mean, that's the point. That's the point of the page. That's the point of, you know, the blog and the TikToks and everything is to connect um, people to science. Um, so I'm excited to see where she goes. Hopefully she does big things. Maybe yeah. we'll see Amy Queen in Forbes. I'm going to speak that <laughs> Whoa! Well, don't forget about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for you we definitely are this has been such a pleasure pleasure this has been really uh we've learned a lot but also just had such a good time so we really appreciate you and everything you're doing for the scientific community um and for students who are looking up to you and, and for everything that you do so thank you india thank you thanks again for having me yeah.
your energy this conversation has just been such a happy and uplifting thing so thank you <laughs> good I mean that's what a queen does right queen tip <laughs> <laughs> one final queen tip <laughs> Thanks for listening to Biomechanics on Our Minds. My name is Melissa. And I'm Hannah. And you can follow Biomechanics on Our Minds on Twitter at BiomechanicsOOM. Or you can email us if you have any research fails or just anything you'd like to share or like you'd, you'd like to hear on Boom at BiomechanicsOnOurMinds at gmail.com. Thank you to Peter Washington for making the music to our podcast. We love all the tracks. They're so great. And a big thank you to the International Society of Biomechanics for sponsoring us and spreading the boom love. Mm -hmm.